Philip Bateman here from Bravo Charlie, and my great pleasure to be here with Anote Tong, ex-president of Kiribati. And we're at the Climate Investor Forum, where you've just delivered the keynote speech, sir. And what has stood out to you about today? The atmosphere on this occasion, which I felt this morning uh, in the sessions that I attended, is, is very different. There was a very, very real um, atmosphere of commitment, of wanting to do something, wanting to achieve something. I felt that, and I... And other people have shared the same things. I've attended many conferences where I come away never with a solution or some progress towards finding solutions. Coming to terms with a relatively untenable solution as far as the, the geolocation of your population, of your culture goes, um, you are, as you say, on the forefront of climate change. You brought the climate change to discussion on the, on the world stage, speaking with Kofi Annan, the UN Secretary General, and then speaking to both of the popes about this. Uh, what have you noticed in the transition of the way leadership is relating to this subject? Well, there's been, uh, over the years, there's been a, um, a reluctance to come on board on this discussion. And uh, I suspect that um, the, um, the lobby by the, the fossil fuel industry has uh, made a significant contribution to the lack of progress in dealing with climate change. And I have no doubt it continues to happen today. And uh, so the question really is, um, are our political leaders doing the right thing? Are they the right agents to, to bring about the change that is needed? And that is a serious question. I have often thought that perhaps our system of government, the democracy, the system of government, the democracy no longer is an effective uh, a representation of the people, but it's, it maybe just become a representation of those with the resources to influence the politicians. I mean, that fascinates me because I've grown up in this idea of like, I'm in a, I'm being told an economic system based on infinite growth is the model that we should all be reporting to. And then I see the, the middle class essentially be, but I talk about the middle class in a developed world economy when we're talking about externalized cost, which is really the way most first world, for want of a better term, economies operate, this externalized cost of all of the production systems. Um, you mentioned the, the exported emissions, right. which that, that really struck me about it, uh, if you could talk to exported emissions. I've been visiting your country, trying to talk to your successive governments about what they're doing on climate change or what they're not doing on climate change. At the end of last year, I came hoping to speak with the new government just to find out uh, how the new policies are being shaped, uh, particularly leading up to the COP meeting in, uh, in Glasgow. One of the comments that came from the government is, yes, we are, we are committed to achieving zero emissions by 2050. Uh, but the point that needs to be made, which I did make, is that uh, you're talking about your domestic... Uh, emissions, but you also have a very significant, by far, larger volume of uh, uh, emissions which you export. And so, if we are to deal effectively with cutting emissions globally, not just within Australia, but globally, then we have to deal with this. We cannot just put it aside, uh, ignoring that it's, uh, it's somebody else's responsibility. I mean, we're all, we, we all must take responsibility. And if we are exporting it, we cannot say, that is the responsibility of the country we're exporting to. Yeah. No, there's got to be uh, more proactive uh, participation than that. You mentioned going through the cycle of anger, depression, paralysis, 
to this point of no solution. And you quoted, I quote you as saying, you know, no solution. This answer is not leadership. And taking in the totality of what we've been discussing here and what people are knowing, the bushfires Australia's been through, the flooding cycles we've been through, to me, it's easy to fall back on a poem I hear regularly about Australia, that we are a land of drought and flooding plains. Though when I think on that, it doesn't stack up with the science. It's unequivocal. We've been reading the IPC reports and things. Climate change is man-made. It is happening. And becoming responsible for this. You talked about the politicization of climate change as a great sadness and a loss of momentum. Is there a way to backtrack? Do we have to be locked into a binary of either being for or against climate? How do we progress? There is no doubt in my mind that if we continue on the path we are doing, going at the moment, there will come a time when we will have no choice but to come together. We deal with the climate change, but by then it would be far too late. And so we're not, we cannot negotiate against climate change because we continue to do the things that we should be avoiding in order to uh, avoid it happening. And so as long as we continue on the path that we are heading, then we will continue to be headed towards this catastrophe. And um, I can assure you, once that catastrophe comes around the corner, there will be no parties. There will be no partition. There's no division because it's going to be a, a rush for survival and we'll, we'll all be together on this. I am a storyteller. We talk through stories. Your, your whole presentation this evening was based on wonderful stories. And to bring this home to people, when I was reading about Kiribati and hearing about the king tides and people potentially, for Australians, putting their children in eskies in case they would float away, and I, I sort of reconciled that looking at photos of you know, my friends with young kids and things like this. And that, that is a reality for you at home to think how existential we're talking about, and that this is a moral imperative. It's not, it's, not a, it's not an economic discussion. I mean, what is an economy? It's like an invented system from 150 years that we've been practicing. It goes back longer than that per se. But the current iteration of it, as you talk about democracy potentially not being a manageable solution. You know, the way economics has been taught, I mean, I... I studied economics, but uh, things like the environment were never a big issue, you know. And now, as we, we're coming to the realization that the planet's resources are not infinite, they are, they are indeed limited. And the reason is simply because we are, as, as a species, we are so efficient at gobbling up the resources to the extent that we will gobble our way towards our own destruction. Here, there are a lot of people representing some extremely large organizations, and then they are individuals as well at the same time. And moving up and down this scale, I think then there's accountability for recycling and for minimizing waste and things like this. So, <clears throat> when we exist at so many different macro and micro levels, um, I'm not really sure what to say to people in, a, in an accountability sense, but I was wondering, did you have any thoughts on where to start and what to do? At the very beginning of my advocacy, I was, uh, I was advocating that uh, in order to deal with climate change, there's got to be a commitment yeah. and there's got to be sacrifices. In other words, 
the level of um, luxuries that we are enjoying or those who are, who are enjoying it, it's got to be scaled down because they're not affordable in the long term. We've uh, gone past the points where this can remain sustainable. And so we are destroying the very planet that we, are, we, need, that we need in order to survive. And so um, it's so unfair, so in, you know, I'm sure the numbers have been studied, but how many percent, maybe 10% of the people own maybe 80% of the world's uh, wealth? How fair that can that be? In our part of the world, we, we, we talk about moderation, okay? And you know, just take enough for the day and uh, leave the rest until for the next day. And I think we've got to come begin to think about that rather than amassing the wealth, simply so that you can be more powerful, so that you can dominate your neighbor. And then your neighbor will begin to scale up his ambitions so he can survive your domination. And so it becomes a uh, never-ending uh, spiral of events which it is unaffordable in the long term. And can I ask, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? There was a time when I, I almost gave up the campaign because it was unwinnable. But that is unacceptable because the next generation depends on what we do. And I've got more than 20 grandchildren and their future depends on what I do or what I, I don't do. And of course, I cannot achieve it, but we need everybody to be on board. And everybody else must understand that their children, the future of their future generation depends on what they achieve or fail to achieve during their lifetime.